Donovan. Thank you, sir. Am I on? There we go. Wow, thanks for having me today. I'm excited to be here. Man, Pastor, I was going to do a review of everything you said in the past few weeks, but <laughs> but I'm going to actually say just a few things. So we're talking about marriage, family, and sexuality. And uh, last week's message, I wasn't here last week, but I went on the website and I listened to it. So I recommend that everybody do that if you don't have a chance uh, to be here on Sunday. But it was just so powerful, uh, and I would recommend that because it like really hit home with me last week's message is because uh, when I listened to it, that's what we did personally in our marriage were, were those things. And so it really hit home like, yeah, boy, I, I, as I look back at, at my marriage, those high points uh, that he hit, that's what we did, like uh, living for God's glory, valuing ourselves and valuing others, having kingdom relationships. Be intentional with your time. Be intentional with your words. Reverencing each other. Having good boundaries. And having a vision or a passion for relationships or your marriage. So those are things that like actually developed in our lives. So it was just very powerful. And those will actually tie into to my testimony today. But uh, I just I want to throw something out to you before I get started. <clears throat> You know, our marriage worked out, and I'm just so thankful to the Lord. I mean, it brings me to tears when I think about my marriage and, and how God has worked in my life. I'm so thankful. I'm just so thankful. But for many of us, we have had failed relationships and failed marriages and, and broken families. And so, but I want to just speak life and peace and grace to you today. Okay, there's no judgment here because maybe you felt like you failed or, or something didn't work out in the way. And, but maybe it did for somebody else. But we're not here to judge you today, okay? We're here to speak God's life and His truth and, and just bring a testimony of, of what God did in my life and my marriage. Uh, but just please, uh, just know that God wants to work in your life where you are, yeah. okay? So don't ever feel condemned or judged because maybe you have had something. Because how many of us have failed God? How many? Okay, everybody. Every day of my life, you know, I, I find myself, Lord, I'm so sorry. I screwed up. And you know how many times I screwed up? Thousands, okay? So the judgment would be on me too then. It, it's on all of us. So, But please do not receive that today. Please receive life and encouragement and yeah. peace and hope for your life, okay? All right. So I'm just going to get into my testimony today. And uh, I have one scripture I'd like to read here. If you want to turn to it, it's John 5. John 5, verses 1 through 17. Man, I think it's going to be up there, or maybe not. I'll read it. Okay. I'm reading in the ESV if you're curious. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, 
Do you want to be healed? Now, I'm going to stop right there just for a second, because in the ESV, it leaves out a key little point. Some, some newer translations leaves this out, because it's, it's, it's not in some of the early manuscripts that they translate it. It's in some, but, but in the King James, it's there. And what it says is, it says, because every so often at this pool, an angel would come down, and he would stir up the waters. And I don't know if they saw this angel, or if they just saw water stirring, I don't know. And it says that the first person who would get into the water after this stirring took place would just be cured of whatever was wrong with them. And so that's why all these people were around this pool, you know, just, just waiting. Okay, so there's the context. I, I like that. Be, I don't like that they leave it out because I like the context of why everyone's there. Okay, so Jesus says to this guy, do you want to be healed? And then he says, the sick man answered him, sir... I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, well, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we just thank you that you desire to speak to us. You desire to have your power work within us. You desire to change our very lives. And so, Father, we just position ourselves today in praise unto you, in worship, in reverence, and in honor, with open ears and open hearts, Father. And we ask that you change us, that you make us more like Jesus each and every day. Thank you, Father. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so you might be saying, what in the world does that scripture have to do with marriage? Okay, you know. All right, so I'm going to give my testimony. <clears throat> you know, I, I've never given my marriage testimony in, in public before. I've, you know, we've had different little discussions and everything. But so here's my marriage testimony. So my wife and I, Monica, we were married two days after I graduated high school. And we had an 11-month-old baby at the time. We eloped. So nobody knew what was going on. My parents finally called a few days later. Where in the world are you? Like, what is going on? Uh, I'm married, Mom and Dad. <laughs> what? My parents were so shocked. My, my dad was a pastor. And uh, so, I mean, the whole thing was just so screwed up, okay? So screwed up. My mom was just heartbroken, you know. I mean, to her, it was almost like, if you don't get married in church, you're, like, not even married. I mean, it's like, you're, you're like, 
whatever, you know. So she, so, so she got with us. She organized like a, uh, a church ceremony a few weeks later because she just had to have, you know, okay, fine, we went along with it, you know. In fact, like, <laughs> she, in her own way, she wouldn't recognize our elope date as the day we got married. She would always say the church date, you know. <laughs> whatever. Okay, Mom, you can, you can have your little thing. That's fine. It was this week, I guess. I don't, I don't know that day, you know. <laughs> the day that, the church day. <laughs> yeah, that's the day. June 8th is the day I got married. June 20th was the day we had the ceremony. So it was just a very <laughs> traumatic experience for some people. Very, uh, you know, just impromptu, you know. It was, it was unexpected, although... We had planned on getting married. You know, I, we had bought wedding rings uh, months before that. I had planned on, you know, getting married, whatever. But it was just an, an impromptu thing. Uh, but in a sense, so, so where we were is, is I was just rebellious, you know. I didn't know anything. I was 18 years old. I thought, hey, I can do this on my own. And we can do this together. And Monica was just, I mean, she was very happy to be married. She, she wanted, you know, she wanted to be married right away, you know. And uh, she was longing for that support. You know, she was on her own. You know, in a sense, her family rejected her when she got pregnant. And, you know, she wanted that care. She wanted that support. She wanted that love. And I knew that it was my responsibility to give that to her. And yet at the same time, I was just rebellious to, to my upbringing, rebellious to the things um, that the Lord had spoken even, and, and I thought that he had planned for our lives, and we're going to do it our way. So that's where we were. We had a family. We're on our own. And so then we, we started our isolating ourselves from our families, we started saying, we're going to do this on our own. We're, gonna, we're just going to, you know, be grown up, <laughs> you know. So we moved to Toledo. We grew up in Bellevue, so it was about an hour from Toledo. And so we enrolled in the University of Toledo. And so we're going to go to school. The only bad thing is we had a little child. We had no job. We're trying to go to school. And that's fine if you have somebody to help you. But you see, we isolated ourselves, and we had no one to help us. Bless you. And so we, had no, and so we were by ourselves. And so we're doing school. We're going to class, and we'd try to schedule classes like one would be in class, one wouldn't be in class. And so we had our little daughter with us, and so we're like in the stroller on campus pushing a little baby, you know. And like you'd, I'd come out of class, and, you know, she'd hand off, cry it to me, and then, you know, she'd go to class. And. You know, it was just really difficult, so we ended up dropping out of school. And school was paid for, but we dropped out, you know, so we lost that opportunity. And so then we have no job. And we're on our own with no support. And we found ourselves drifting away from God, drifting away from our upbringing, and as a result, drifting away from each other. And it was a pretty dark place. You know that scripture uh, in Romans 8 where it talks about, you know, nothing can separate you from the love of God. You know, not an angel, not a demon, not, you know, famine or, or sickness or powers or height or depth. Nothing can, right? 
Nothing can. But it doesn't say that you can't turn your back on God, that you can't reject God's love, because you can. And so in a sense, because of our rebellion uh, and because of our isolation, in a sense, we were turning our back on God and his love. And so we found, found ourselves uh, in, in a very dark place. You know, when you reject God's goodness and his love, you can find yourself in a dark place, in a difficult place. And so we found ourselves like losing our love. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've, in a marriage or in a relationship, you say, well, I feel like I've lost my love for this person. Or maybe you've felt, I think I've lost my love for the Lord. Boy, that's a dark place to be in. So there's where, there's where we're, only about a, a year after we were married, and we found ourselves looking at each other thinking, I don't know if I love you anymore. Whoa. And I feel isolated from God. And that's where we were. Now, a good thing in that situation is I was raised a Christian. We were both believers, okay? And Monica was so stubborn because people said, well, you guys aren't going to make it. You know, you're married, young, you know, had a child out of wedlock. The odds are you're not going to make it, right? And that's true. So everyone was telling her, you're not going to make it. But she is stubborn. <laughs> She's stubborn, okay? And so, so, so that's what she had. She had stubbornness, okay? And she was a believer, a baby Christian. I led her to the Lord. And then I had my upbringing, which I was raised to, to be honorable, to keep your covenant. My father was a man, he was a pastor, but he was a man who, if he spoke something, he would do it. You could take it to the bank. If he said it, he would do it. And so he instilled that in me. If I say it, if I make a covenant, if I make a promise, I'm going to keep it. And so I had that covenant that we made together, and I had that within me. Okay, I'm going to be an honorable person. I'm going to keep that covenant. So I had that. So we looked at each other, and we were like, okay, we don't want to lose this. We, we feel like we've lost our love, like we're isolated from God. What do we do? So that's where this scripture, John 5, comes in. Oh, did you have something? So I, we actually, I actually led her to the Lord before we were married. Before, we, So it, um, maybe, yeah, so, so a f- about a year then before we were married. Yeah, so she, had bec- she was just a baby Christian. Yeah. Okay, so during this time, we're, we're at a transition stage. We're like, you know, what do we do? Everything's up in the air. Should we get divorced? Should we just cut it now? You know, it's only a year into this thing. You know, we can go our separate ways. You know, I know it's going to screw up our daughter and everything, but, or should we, you know, try to work it out? Whatever. That's where we were. And that's where the scripture comes in. So during that time, I can't remember if I read the scripture or if I heard uh, preaching on the scripture. I've heard this scripture preached many, many times, and it's so powerful. There's so much in this little passage 
that every time I hear it preached on, there's something new. I mean, it's just so, there's so much there. But, I, but when I read the scripture, the first thing that stuck out to me was that this man, he was in this terrible state for 38 years. 38 years. And God did something with his life. And that really hit me. I'm like, hey, you know, if there's hope for somebody who is, who is in despair for 38 years, there's got to be hope for me. He's only been in despair for one year, you know. There's got to be hope for me. And so we, I started going through this scripture and just kind of applied it, like, like how we applied it to our marriage. And so let's kind of go through it. We have, we have four points. So the first one was, just as this man did, is we identified our weakness and our need for our Savior. So we came together and we said, we don't have the answers. We don't know what to do. Our marriage is broken. Our hearts are broken. Our lives are, are in turmoil. We are in despair. We need help. Just as this man did. He was at the waters. He had no one to help him, but he was there just waiting for hope, knowing he was, he was crippled or lame or, or whatever, and he had no one to help him, but he was there wanting help. And Jesus showed up. And part of identifying your weakness and your need for a Savior is you just got to get rid of your pride. Because pride will keep you from that. Pride will be like, I can do, we were already in pride. I can do this by myself. We can make this happen. If we just work hard enough or, or seek long enough, you know, we're going to get this. It's going to work out. But no, we said we can't do it, Lord. We give up. Because we had already tried doing it in our own strength, and it didn't work. In fact, we got farther away from where God wanted us, us to be. So now if, when you give up pride, there's an easy way and there's a hard way. So how many people have done things a hard way? <laughs> and what is the hard way? A hard way is when like, you get to the end of your rope, and it's just like you learn because you, know, you touch the hot stove. That's learning the hard way. Okay, but there's also an easy way. Anybody know what the easy way of learning is? The easy way. I'm sure, you know, we always hear about the hard way. We don't really hear about the easy way. But there's an easy way. You know what the easy way is? To listen and to obey. You see, you can tell a child, little Johnny, don't touch that hot stove. It's going to burn your hand. Little Johnny always gets into trouble. There's a lot of jokes about little Johnny. And little Johnny usually learns the hard way. But little Susie, little Susie says, Mommy said, don't touch that. I will get hurt. I'm not going to touch it. I believe my mommy. And she doesn't get burned. She learned the easy way. So I encourage you to learn the easy way. When the Lord speaks to you, just do it. There's a grace in doing what God tells you to do so that you don't have to be at the bottom of the barrel. You know, you don't have to be the prodigal son out in a ditch wanting to eat a, a rotten food because you got nothing left. You don't have to go there. Many times we do, and most of us have, and I'm sure we probably will again. But you don't have to. You can be at your father's table wearing his ring and robe and appreciating the state that you're in and just go on from there. So I encourage you to do that. But we did it the hard way. So we learned at rock bottom that we had to, 
to admit our weakness, and we had to call on our Savior. All right, so next, what did we do? We allowed the Lord to speak to us. So just as this man listened to, the, to Jesus, Jesus said, do you want to be healed? And he responded, yeah. He, he engaged in the Master, in the Savior. Think about that. Man, boy, isn't that so powerful to engage with our Savior, to listen to what has, he has to say and respond to him and then let him speak in, back to us? See, first he'll ask you a question. First he'll, he'll nudge, and he's very gentle about it, and he'll, and he'll woo you, and he'll call to you. And he wants that response. Yeah, I'm here all by myself. Yeah, I can't get into the water, Lord. Yeah, I don't have any answers. I, I, no one can help me, but I want something because I've been here for so long. And when you respond to the Lord, his calling, then he says something to you. And when he says those things, it's power. Get up. Take up your bed and walk. That's the Lord's response. Because he's always working, just as we read in that passage. He's always moving, always speaking, always searching for those who would respond to him. And so we sought his word. We sought what he was, wanted to say for our marriage that there was hope, that he, he loves marriage, that marriage, as we learned about the past few weeks, marriage is a reflection of the relationship that God has with himself and with us, and that it's a covenant, and he hates when covenants are broken because when God speaks, he keeps his word. And so when we break the things that, that, that we say, it, God's not pleased with that. And God's not pleased with unfaithfulness. God is a faithful God. So when we're unfaithful, it's like we're not part of what he's doing. But we, so we sought that. And we sought mentors, godly examples of what a marriage can be like, you know. And we sought that out, that accountability. We wanted to hear God speak to us. And as we did that, that allowed God's power to work in us. God began to speak to us of who we were, of what his plan was for us. Then the next part, when he spoke, we obeyed. And that's a process. And that's where pastor's message from last week comes in. We started to be intentional about what we spoke to each other. We started reverencing each other. You know, when we first got married and we were first in a relationship, boy, we would cut each other down. In a fun way, most of the time. Sometimes not. <laughs> you know? Boy, you know, those words were just let loose. And we came to the decision during that time. We got we to gotta re reverence one another. Even in joke, you know, some, some people really enjoy joking around with each other and teasing and cutting down, but we, but we made a choice, you know, for us because it was like not to do that anymore. Uh, I'm not saying you don't have to, but for us, it seemed like, I, I don't know, I can't do that anymore. I, I just have to reverence you. She had to reverence me because of where we were, I guess. And God's power started, started to work in us. And so we obeyed. We changed the way we spoke. We changed the way we treated each other. 
We changed our values and our goals. Pastor talked last week about having those kingdom values, having a vision for your marriage. So, but also, sometimes you don't have the same vision, you know. And sometimes that's a good thing, you know. Sometimes God calls the husband to do something and the wife maybe to do something else, and you know, exactly brings balance, you know, different interests, and and sometimes you know. Because she has something, there have been many times like she's had an idea or a vision or a passion, and like Pastor said last week, you know, maybe you just give a flippant answer, uh, and it kind of brings offense and it hurt. Uh, instead of just really embracing that, and I remember one time a few years ago, God spoke to me. He said, "Release Monica into the calling that I've called her to do." And I and I thought, I remember, is it lunchtime in my car? And I wrote it down. Release Monica. I'm like, does that mean I'm not Lord? Yeah, you're holding her back. Ooh, I'm sorry, God. All right, and I started to, and that wasn't easy for me, okay? I don't know why it wasn't. So I had to release her. Yeah, maybe we want control. You know, we, we want to be the one kind of calling the shots and directing. No, God was calling her to do something. And you know, within that, she's developed in counseling and ministering to people that has blessed me. And I've seen people's lives changed because of, of how she was released into ministry. And, and it's a blessing. I love it. So we had to, I had to change my values and our goals. And at the same time back then, we had, to, we had to get on the same page of what our values were, what our marriage values were, what, what God was calling us to, as a couple to. We had to get on the same page. And that allowed God's plan to work in our lives. So God had a plan that he was unveiling to us. And then the last point is that we could not go back to the old ways. You notice when Jesus met back up with this man, what did he say to him? He's like, hey, you're, you're well, okay? You're where I want you to be. Now, now what? Stop sinning. Get rid of what you used to be because something else possibly worse could happen to you. You know, what are that? there's a lot to that. We're not going to get into all that. But we had to, we could not go back to those old ways. We, we couldn't let those old patterns come back. We had to grow in our maturity. We couldn't do those, those same things that we were doing. We had to take those new steps and continue with what God was telling. And when we failed, and boy, did we fail many, many, many times, I tell you. But we got back up. We repented. Many times to each other, many times to the Lord. You know, when Jesus says stop sinning, that doesn't mean I'm perfect from this day forward. It means turn from that. But you know, sometimes, oh, you, you go back towards it. Repent. What does repent mean? Okay, repent. I'm going this way. And repent means I'm going to stop going this way, turn around. And I'm going to go this way. So here's what God has. And ooh, when I fail, when I fall this way, get back up and get back this way. Every time, just do it. Where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. That much more. There's grace for everything. There's forgiveness for everything that the righteousness of God would be in us. Because Jesus took it all. So don't ever feel trapped. Oh, I made a mistake. Oh, I failed in this way. Uh, and there's no hope now. 
the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Confess it. Just get it out. Be quick to do that. Don't learn the hard way by going this way and then getting deeper in it and then getting deeper in it. And now you find yourself so far over here, you're in the deepest hole. And it's hard at this point. It's really hard. But it's still possible. Okay? Nothing can separate you from the love of God, not even the deepest, darkest pit. As long as there's still breath in your lungs, you can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. But don't wait till you get so, so far. When you just get a little bit, oh, I'm so, so sorry, Lord, forgive me. I turn back towards you. That process, if you would get that process in your life and put that into practice of repenting. Pastors preached on it this past year so many times of a repentant heart. Oh, it just has blessed me. It has changed my life of to have that repentant, childlike heart. Don't waste time messing with that stuff. Just turn around and, and face the Lord. He already knows. Just give it up. Just give it up. Release it. So that's what we do. We did that many, 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 many times. And that allowed God's patience to work in our lives. Because we found out that God was very patient with us. And it developed a patience within our own lives to deal with, the, with our own shortcomings. And it was such a beautiful thing. So, okay, so, <laughs> just because I read this scripture, you know, however, 23 years ago, and it seemed like, you know, it made sense, and all these things came out, and it, and it had an impact in my life, it doesn't mean that you know, six months later, you know, we had the best marriage possible. No. In fact, five years later, five years later, Monica realized that she loved me again. Five years. She realized suddenly, I love this man. God's done a work in my heart and in our marriage. Twelve years later than originally, I felt that love. Isn't, isn't that a shame almost? Twelve years? I told her that yesterday. We were talking about it. And she was so sad. She's like, I'm very sad about that. <laughs> I know. Is, that's what I'm saying. Like, What? That's how stupid I am, okay? That's how backwards, and that's how, yeah. yeah but in reality, that's how broken my heart was, okay? Oh, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I don't have time to go into everything that God has done in my life. But 12 years. And actually, you know, the first person I told was my doctor, surprisingly enough. I was sitting in my doctor's office, and because there was a process, you know, there, uh, there was a whole situation going on that I'm not going to get into today, but I'm sitting in my doctor's office, and I said, Dr. Holman, I suddenly realized that I love my wife and that she's beautiful to me. Isn't that strange? And she said, no, that's, that's healing. And she was thinking of it from the natural sense, right, because she was treating different things, but God did something in my heart. He took a broken heart that felt no capacity to love a beautiful, love-worthy woman 
and he did something in me. But it took 12 years of being faithful to God and going through this, you know, ups and downs. But it was God's faithfulness that he didn't leave me through those failures. And he didn't abandon me when I felt like I wanted to give up and when I felt like I was broken and in a hole. He was faithful. And God gave us a love greater than we ever could have dreamed. And I love my wife now more than I loved her even at the beginning. And I love her more today than I loved her yesterday. Because it's God's love in me that opened up a greater capacity to love than I could ever have dreamed on my own or tried to achieve and say, I'm going to get this love. I love this person. No, his love has done a powerful work in my life. Would you stand with me today? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that your love endures all things. It hopes all things, believes all things. Your love never fails. And Father, I thank you that you have put your love in our hearts. It may seem like just a seed or even a shadow, but Father, that love can grow and it can develop and it can change our lives in every way possible. So we call upon your love today. Father, I just pray that you would work in our lives today. Those who feel weak or abandoned or broken or hopeless or sick, Father, that you would speak to them, do you want to be healed? Father, I pray that they would respond to you today. Call upon your name in faith. That they would just open their hearts and say, yes, there's a possibility that you love me, Lord. There's a possibility of hope, of change, of help, because you love them, Father. So maybe today you identify a weakness in your life. You know that you need a Savior. And maybe it, it could be a new thing that you're into, a new relationship. Or maybe 38 years you've been dealing with something. Well, today is the day to give that up. Today is the day to call on the Lord. That you need a Savior from sin or addiction or habits or a hopelessness or a brokenness. Today, the Lord says, do you want to be healed? Today is the day of salvation. Or maybe you're like us and your marriage is like on the rocks. You're at the end of your rope that you thought you could do it in your own strength, but you're just getting worse quick. Do you want to be healed? Because the presence of the Lord is here to speak to you today, to release power into your life. Maybe you've had a failed relationship, a failed marriage, and you're like, I I give up. There's no hope. I'm a broken person. I've screwed it up. The Lord says, do you want to be healed today? There's new life. There's new hope. There's peace. So if you meet one of these criteria today or you need prayer in another area, please come forward. We're going to pray. We're going to spend time in his presence right now. In any of these areas, if you need help, a savior, if you need hope, please come forward.
desire.